This podcast episode is part of the Changemaker series of the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. The Changemaker series is set up to shine a light on people who are doing extraordinary things to help animals, enabling them to live healthy and happy lives. In each episode, I'm going to be speaking to individuals and organisations who recognise the incredible bond we share with our pets and they work tirelessly to keep animals and their humans together. If you know someone who you feel deserves to be in the spotlight, do get in touch and I really hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm speaking to Carla Thinzel, who is a vet nurse, and she's also the founder of the District Veterinary Nurse Role. Um, She's an amazing lady, and she's speaking to me for the second in my Changemaker series, which is shining a light on people who are doing really extraordinary things for animals and their owners. So hi, Carla. Thank you so much for joining me. Can you tell me a little bit about your background as a vet nurse? Hello, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. It's it's great to be invited along and I really appreciate it. Yes. So I am a registered veterinary nurse. I qualified in 2001 in Spain and I came over here and I've been working in practice since. So yes, I, I worked for the first three years of my career in um, general practice, you know, primary care. And then I worked for nine years. No, sorry, it was five years in general practice, sorry, I'm getting all model up. Yes, five years in general practice. Then I progressed on to emergency and critical care at a referral hospital in Brighton, doing night shifts for nine years. In the days when night shifts were 15 hour long. Wow. Shifts, yes. Just the vet and me, and we were taking... um, the the funds uh, when they were switched over uh, from six o'clock for about 17 practices in the area. So it was really busy, 17 phone lines effectively, down to two people <laughs> for about 14 hours, 15 hours. Yeah, great fun, great fun. Wow. Okay. So when you were when you kind of when you were working in practice as a vet nurse, what kind of things were you doing? What kind of animals were you caring for? Okay, so cats, dogs, rabbits, um, some exotics, but now we've come a long way with a speciality in exotics. So we would refer the exotics, you know, of a snake, a gecko, or something like that, a parrot to an exotic specialist. So it's mainly like cat, dogs, rabbits, guinea pigs, you know, that, that sort of thing. That's okay, so. Sort of- species okay, <laughs> not so things they're not things they're sentient beings sorry <laughs> okay okay so you're kind of average family pet so can you tell me about the kind of challenges that you faced when you were working in-house at a vet practice compared to what you do now and, and kind of how that led you to where you are today um I feel very frustrated really mm-hmm. because we were asking of members of the public to do really complex things at home by themselves you know like to feed their cat or you know um, toilet their dog that has had an orthopedic operation and, and 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 assess what level of pain they would have and how they would prepare their the 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 room where the dog would go um back 
to their home and and stay and you know where you you normally would have an occupational therapist and a district nurse coming even before certain very complex operations happen to a human to lay you know the room kind of thing for the patient coming home some people are so frightened of giving injections of insulin as well, you know, or they have physical disabilities. And even holding a syringe, you know, is, is challenging if they have arthritic hand, you know. Okay. Okay. It, when you say it, it makes so much so much sense, doesn't it? Because, you know, we think of ourselves as humans and if something you know, something unfortunate happened to us, then all of these all of these people are there ready to step in and help us, aren't they? But the way that you describe it is like a massive missing piece in the jigsaw. So our animals are treated at the vets. They could be diagnosed with something like diabetes or have a significant operation. And then they're just kind of sent home and we deal with it. And I mean, I've talked to you about this before, Carla, but even when I've been, been putting eye drops in my dog, and that's something very simple, it's been really distressing for me. I worry that I'm doing it wrong. and yeah and that's just something really simple never mind dealing with you know anything more a dog who's recovering from cancer or anything a lot more serious so we're here today to talk about your campaign because you're a district vet nurse and can you tell me a little bit more about what a district vet nurse is I know I've just touched on it there but can you tell uh, tell people listening what a district vet nurse is Okay, so a district veterinary nurse makes veterinary nursing care accessible to pet owners and their beloved animal companions, helping vets comply with the Quality Act 2010. The vets' patients' welfare is optimized and human-animal bonds are protected with this role. It's massive. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely life-saving in many cases. Okay, and not just for the animals as well. Um, I know because... I'm obviously interviewing you now on the podcast, which is amazing. I've always wanted to chat to you on here. Um, and we've spoken many times uh, over the last couple of years now, but it's not just life-changing for the animals, is it? Because ultimately it can be giving them that care and giving them that support can mean that they do survive. But it's also for the owners as well, particularly, um, as you've mentioned, people who are vulnerable, people who are elderly, where their animal is their only companion. So can you tell me about the kind of life-changing impact it has on the owners having the support in their home? You know, just having someone come in and just reassuring them that their their family member, this pet, okay, lifetime companion, is okay just by having that tablet in the morning, that tablet in the evening, or that insulin injection. Like us, you know, we, we, we get diagnosed with chronic conditions. We'll go on to live many years, but it is those medications that we have to take daily that saves us and keep us living. Imagine how painful it is and how bad you feel if your animal has to be put to sleep just because you can't give him that one tablet a day. It's like, I mean, come on, what are we doing mm -hmm. here? It's like the veterinary industry is led from behind. I mean, are we here for animal welfare? Are we here to protect human-animal bonds? 
if the vet sending me there every day keeps that animal happy and well, living well with that condition, because it is managed properly, because a suitably qualified veterinarian is giving them that help and that support, it's wonderful. I mean, mental health is massive, especially now times of COVID, mm-hmm. when we've been told you can't go anywhere, you're staying indoors, you can't see your human family, but you have that little cat there with you and that dog. Yeah. I think as a nation, we have seen how important our animal companions are. No, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to ask you as well um, how it all first came about. So you had this moment, I guess, where you realised that there was this need for this gap to be filled in between an animal leaving the vet and being cared for at home. How did you kind of go about setting yourself up as a district vet nurse? And when was it that it all kind of first started? Well, do you know, when I was doing night shifts for nine years, I would have sometimes 22 inpatients to nurse overnight, me and the vet, plus whatever emergencies would come through the night. And they're there one night, they're there second night, there's a third night. And all I kept thinking was, if this was my cat or my dog or my rabbit, because I have these skills, it would be home. It wouldn't be here. It's here because it needs to have medication four times a day or twice a day, but the owner can't manage this. This animal is getting more and more and more depressed. It's now stopped eating because it wants to be home. So it's actually getting worse rather than progressing. Yes, we're managing one thing, but now we have depression. Yeah, Depression and stress impedes healing. Wounds wouldn't heal. Cats that are there from one thing will end up now having a feeding too because they stop eating. And it's like a bigger snowball. If you could have a nurse that goes in three times a day, that animal stays home, frees up a cage, you know, a, a, a bed mm-hmm. that is needed for other things as well. No veterinary surgeon and veterinary nurse is emotionally happy having an animal just sitting there just to give it four eye drops in 24 hours. When you can do it at 6 a.m., at 12, at 5, and at 10. And there can be a district nurse going around to do that, say for the, for the week. Mm-hmm. And in that week, that eye is safe. What we have is... <sighs> Three weeks go by, that eye is no better, the animal is stressed because it's sitting in a kennel, and in the end it has to be inoculated. The eye has to come out. And it's not eaten, and now it has a feeding tube. It's amazing when you're on the inside, just mm-hmm. how much you see. Gosh, it sounds absolutely awful. Um, and yeah, when you you know, we all as you know, as you know, I'm a I'm a pet owner, I'm not a professional, <laughs> but you know we have this huge bond with them don't we and we hate the thought of being parted with them and the thought of an animal suffering and being at the vets and being stressed and depressed it's it's awful Mm. and you know it seems so obvious what you've created and what you provide so how did you kind of go about setting yourself up and thinking okay I've got this idea I could this is this 
resolution. How did you go about doing that? Yeah. Well, I went about that idea and I wrote lots of things and I thought about it for a few months. And it was affecting my mental health, seeing that I had these skills and that, that they could help so many people in the community. And, and I wasn't doing it because that's something that has never happened before in veterinary. There is not a, a veterinary nursing role in the community. And I spoke to many vets in my community and I said, right guys, I live in night shifts and you know what I'm capable of doing. If you have a challenging case, if you have the compassion to help a pet owner and a patient, I'm here. Send me around. Put me in place to do what you're asking that pet owner to do. And he or she kind of physically or mentally manage to implement the treatment plan. Mm -hmm. If my car breaks down, I go to the garage, I go to the mechanic, and the mechanic will say, this is what's wrong with my car. And he won't just give me the brake, brake pads and send me home and ask me to do the brake pads change <laughs> or something like that, you know? Thank God for that. <laughs> Thank God for that. He will do it for me, yeah? So why are we asking members of the public to do these things, these mechanical things that have taken us four years of veterinary nurses and you need to train to acquire the qualification in 15 minutes in the consult room? And they totally got it. All these vets, they say, absolutely, we're with you on this. And off I went and I would wait for the referrals. Carla, we have this cat. In, it's, we've done the operation. Is ready to go home if you can't do the nursing for us in the house. Yep. And I would say, great. And I did that. And some days were very quiet. And then things picked up from there. But it's taking time and a lot of hard work for that. Not because there wasn't the work for me, but because it's a very specialized mm -hmm role and um you can only do it under direction instruction of the vet okay yeah okay so i know from speaking to you in the past that you've made a lot of sacrifices to get to where you are today and you've also had to support yourself haven't you because you went from having a job where you're being paid like a like a yeah. regular vet nurse to yeah. going basically like going freelance and waiting for work to come in. So can you tell me a little bit about that and how that how that impacted on your personal life and your finances and, and how you kept going as well? <laughs> well, it, it's very interesting because I'm just like, okay, I have it all in my head sorted. All the vets are on board. Right, let's do this. Let's take the plunge. Away I go, you know. That's fine. I started taking referrals and dealing with them and it must get better. So then you don't have to work. And even though something might be like assisting, say, if I was with you, helping you do patches, eye drops. And then we found a way I've coached you and mentored you and you can do it now by yourself. I'm not going to hoard you so mm -hmm. I can get money out of you. If you can manage, that's fantastic. So 
my job might be just two days. It could have been a whole week for the treatment course, but you've managed, you don't need me, I'm happy. So it would be a very honest kind of referral system. And halfway through it, through the first year, I got a very, 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 very large um, uh, bill for uh, maintenance works in the flat where I was living. They wanted about £25,000. And they weren't the kind of businessmen that owned the freehold that would wait and negotiate with you. The mortgage people say, we can help you you know, we can set something up, but the freeholders were unhappy with that. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't give them readily within a month, £25,000. So I had to walk away from that. It was quite hard. We don't have lease, lease hall in Spain. I think it's only a very English thing. And um, because I couldn't secure a, an income monthly, to be the same, it posed, it posed problems for me. I could have had my job again in practice, but by then I had too many cases. Yeah. And I had to I had to stay there. It, it was just like the role had been created and it was walking by itself. Yeah. But I didn't have the the the, the financial backup. You know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but I said, fine, I, I'm not going to stop doing. I cannot morally stop what I am doing because yeah. these animals will be put to sleep. They're still here, which is amazing. Five yeah. years later, some don't even need medication anymore. OK, so you just explained. So you started about five years ago. It meant that you lost your flat. Um, you've obviously had to make a lot of financial sacrifices. But, but you know, what you get from helping the animals, helping them them get back to their living the best lives is amazing. So can you tell me about a couple of examples of some animals that you've helped over the years? Okay, well, I, I keep in touch with all my patients and their owners, even though maybe three years later, I don't need it anymore. Uh, I've had quite a few cats um, that were diagnosed with diabetes and mm-hmm. they have gone in remission. And that's amazing because like, it means that the owners don't have to spend about 150 pounds a month in the maintenance of uh, or, or, or clinical maintenance of, mm-hmm. of those patients. You know what what with uh, with insulin costing for a little bottle about 110 pounds, <laughs> and you know and the general checkups that they have to have at the at the vets. You mm-hmm. know so that's a massive. Uh, achievement I think <laughs> so much cheaper for the vets uh, uh, and the insurance companies you know when mm-hmm. we don't have to um to keep you know spending money that yeah. we can when we can solve a problem uh, on medications um so that's very rewarding I've helped animals with spinal um, problems. Um, so say they've had an operation and, you know, it is all like a human that is expected to take a long time to recover from certain injuries and trauma. 
with animals is like kind of if he's not walking in a week if he's not walking in two weeks you know he might not recuperate mm-hmm. um it's paraplegic uh plus minus euthanasia i have actually helped a dog that it didn't actually um have the 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 strength in his body to get on his back legs for four months and now he does wow so it's amazing what can be if an animal is not in pain physically and emotionally because you know as in our training we we were qualified to assess pain quality of life and if you're ticking all the right boxes and the consultancy that everything is going in the right direction and it's just going to take time, it, it gives the animal and the owners that time and the, and the veterinary team that time to deal with it. I think we suggest euthanasia too soon because we don't have the support in the community to support the owners. I mean, when you see that a dog walks after four, five months, when it was suspected that it would walk in three weeks and it hasn't, Mm -hmm. and then it's euthanized like it's happening, you know, and not about false hopes, yeah. I'm just there to nurse the animal. If the vet sees that everything is going in the right direction, if the owner is needing that support and everyone is happy that I'm there, why not? It has turned tides. Mm-hmm. I also had a, a, a cat that was paralyzed from the third cervical vertebra down. It just happened. We we will never know how it happened. And it went to Fitzpatrick referrals. The neurology consultant there said, I'm happy if you're happy, Carla, to give this cat a chance. Spirit was his name. It's incredible. And it happened just before Christmas uh, 2018. It was an incredible case. And... uh, and we gave it the chance and it took five months and that cat was up a tree again. Oh, that's a great name for him, Amazing. isn't it? Amazing. Spirit. Yeah. yeah. I love that boy. A, a Bengal. Uh, he really has the spirit. He's amazing. So this is what the role does, yeah. you know. It's incredible. You must get so attached to the animals as well. I know you've talked about keeping in touch with people for many years, but um, you can't help but form a bond with them yourself either can you and the humans as well I guess yeah absolutely absolutely uh, I mean you're in, you're there in the home with them in whatever whether it is I've been in remarkable places I've been like in really humble abodes you know I also volunteered with a street vet yeah and then we, we, we we've we've seen them transition even to 
to get better themselves and then they get a job and then they have a, a, a roof above their heads. However, humble is a home and they, they're, they're amazing for what they've achieved. And I have been in manor houses. I mean, like, I, you know, for data protection, I can say, but I've been in them most amazing where you have a butler wow. coming to the door. And I go, Miss Finzel, welcome, you know, <laughs> in the most posh English uh, uh, accent ever, you know, and they take your coat and they take your bag and <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. And then you go to this, to this like room and it's entirely the dog's room, you know, and now you're talking. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. But when it comes to it, we are all the same, aren't we? It's yeah. that animal and you, and it's that bond. And I am so blessed that I get to experience that that essence, that bond, raw, pure, unadulterated, as, as it is outside veterinary practice. It's nothing like it. It's nothing like it. Because I work in practice as well, as you know, a few yeah. days a week. Uh, uh, with a wonderful team, and uh, and then I also do my district nursing for for other veterinary practices as well as my own in the community, and and it's still you know it's, it's just you just can't get the same buzz. It's just incredible. <laughs> yes. Hmm. So, Carla, I wanted to ask you as well, because we touched on it a bit earlier, but we've been in lockdown. So we're recording this podcast. It's October now. But for the last like six months, we've been in lockdown. And I know from speaking to you before that a lot of your um, a lot of your clients and a lot of the owners you help are elderly. And they will have been people who would have been shielding in lockdown. And quite often, as you said earlier, only had their animal companion. They went been able to see the family, um, which, you know, it's obviously very, very distressing, but never has there been a need for what you do been so great I think um in lockdown so what has lockdown been like for you how has it been what kind of things have you been doing what kind of um what kind of feedback have you had from those kind of very vulnerable people who you help uh, well is is um it went through a very scary patch do you know that kind of that first initial the countries in lockdown and yeah. automatically you couldn't do this you just couldn't do this you yeah. know because you're told you you have to just go out to work, but the people that were most vulnerable have to isolate. They couldn't see anybody. And in the veterinary world, in uh, we had to just follow government instructions and orders, kind of the law of the land. You you can only do essential work. Now. My work is essential in as far as if these animals don't get their medication, that the health will deteriorate. So how do you go about it? I had to liaise with neighbors of these people, see if they could do anything themselves, because some some vulnerable people had some outsiders allocated to them, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And now I, I so at first. It was like you've cut my hands and my legs. It felt awful because I wanted to so get into those homes yeah. to help them. And I couldn't by law effectively, but I had to go to work in practice as well. 
and that was okay. But the outside was a very complex thing, especially yeah. when owners couldn't even come to us because they had to isolate as well. I think it really rocked the veterinary world. And um, I would do a lot of Zoom and WhatsApp calls, video calls with the one member of the public that was assignated to look after any of my pet owners in the community. Some don't have anybody, so they will put the cat in the porch. Yeah. <laughs> Close oh. the door. I'll I'll they I open the front door. <laughs> I'll give the tablet. I'll go. I'll say, I'm gone now. Oh my god. <laughs> don't touch anything. And the cat will be in the porch, bless them, or put in the basket you know, in a conservatory yeah. or something like that. It was incredible those first three weeks. But also as well, I was running around trying to get shopping for them. Yeah. And I couldn't even get toilet roll or bread Oh, my gosh. It was ridiculous. I, I put out a shout out on Facebook and lots of people helped me out. And I got food parcels from people like you and I, not yeah. in a vulnerable category. That they were getting few bits for me for people that couldn't go out. It was beautiful how the, my whole community came together. Incredible. And then obviously as things then change and we could do certain things out there as members of the public, all of us, then, you know, things gradually started kind of getting to a new normal, you know, with all these like face masks and face shields and gloves and aprons and everything you should see me I could I could fly to space <laughs> and disinfecting lots of things and uh, oh my god it's staggering appointments so I could change uh, then asking anybody that any vet referred to me they would have to fill in a questionnaire I have to ask lots of questions to the pet owners you know and get signatures that they haven't been with anybody who diagnosed with COVID, blah, blah, blah. You, you can imagine. It's been it's been crazy. Something that you can just go pim pam boom and get done in 20 minutes would take an hour, you know, but safety first. Mm -hmm. And here we are. And uh and we've come through to the other side. Yeah. yeah. And you've got you've got you well you've kept people and the pets together, haven't you? And and you know also yeah. delivered some essential things for those owners haven't you which is just you know it's amazing I know you don't I know I'm always telling you you're amazing but you are and it's you know you are a total total I guardian know. angel for those lovely people so I wanted to talk about so obviously I know that you do what you do um and I know there are I know you have your district um vet nurse community don't you um but what you're doing now is you're, mm. to, you're on a campaign crusade mission however you want to call it to um, <laughs> people do what you do to go outside of the outside of the surgery and go and help people in their homes as a district vet nurse or um, sorry district nurse even or um, occupational therapist would do for humans so can you talk to me a little bit about that and what you're doing and what your kind of dreams are yes so kind of over the years it's got quite viral out there what uh, what i do and um you know i think everybody in the veterinary profession in the uk know about it and it's also um ignited a, a, a really like kind of uh, flame with veterinary nurses that 
feel a little bit demoralized because, you know, we want to help animals and we want to help people. And we really suffer when we just think, oh my God, it's just so simple. If I could just go and do it for the owner, bim bap bosh, done, that animal would get better, you know? And instead we're like, faffing here you know it's yeah. it's just not happening and they have felt really strongly about the fact that they can do that um so they i have hundreds of emails from veterinary nurses uh, supporting this and and kind of wanting to be a district veterinary nurse but there is nowhere where they can go to have this support network and 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 they all feel that because I've gained all this experience and five years on and I'm still here and it's proven to be so important mm-hmm. that they want me to kind of help them so we are at that stage now, really, where we are building a database. Uh, many nurses from many places um, wanting to do this in their communities. And, and, and so, yes, we are, we are chatting, we're getting to know each other and building this network, which is really good. And their vets are really excited for them, you know, um, and, and I think. They're feeling very supportive uh, of this desire that they have, <laughs> which is great. Mm. Fantastic. Okay, so you've you're doing this. Um, so obviously you've gone out and you've done. You've been. You've made the district veterinary nurse role work for you in your community in Brighton for five years now. And now you're now you're hoping to support other people and give them the support and the equipment and anything else that they might need, so they can go and do the same. Yes, that's 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 the idea. That's the idea. Um, you know, just and and just hearing from them, um, and I and I and we're talking one to one, and mm-hmm. they tell me what they want to do and their circumstances and how they see it working in the community, and I'm listening and I'm trying to then find the equipment that they would need, the specialized insurances to mm-hmm. work in the community, and um, yeah, trying to put together a package yeah. uh, of, of support for them. Yeah. Okay. And you're crowdfunding as well to to help this happen, aren't you? Can you tell me a bit about the crowdfunding? Yes, campaign? I've been. I've been crowdfunding since August 2018. And um, yeah, um, because obviously I'm a working girl. I don't yep. have the money myself if I did. My God, can you imagine if I won the lottery, how I would change <laughs> the world? <laughs> I've kind of changed my little community with not yeah. a penny. <laughs> But imagine if I had the money to just go and and set it all up. It'd be amazing. And I'm only asking for 10,000. It probably would take more, but 
that's a good start, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and yeah, I'm really excited. I want to see a district veterinary nurse fully functioning per five mile radius, in, you know, and helping lots of vets and lots of owners and caring for lots of animals and protecting human and animal bonds. And it's, it will be beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I know um, I know I've kind of I'm speaking to you now with the kind of pet business podcast hat on, but I know we've spoken many times for my pet blog and for for newspapers and magazines and that kind of thing. But I think it's something that you know anyone listening would agree that you know every pet owner wants to have that. You know they want to be they want to know that their pet is getting the the right care that they need to help them recover or or to support them in any way. So when you said about you know having access to a district vet nurse for every five mile radius in, in the UK that, you know, any, it's just something that everyone who I tell, everyone who I talk to you about says, oh my gosh, I would love that. And I know I've, when we've spoken, I'd be like, oh, I really wish you lived near me. I live in Newcastle, you're in Brighton. Um, so it would just be an amazing, mm-hmm. amazing thing. Um, and I also wanted to ask you, I meant to ask you this earlier, actually, but um, you have got backing from the insurance yeah. companies as well, haven't you? So insurance companies are open to um, paying for claims for district vet nurse services, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some vets have asked me to go and do something for a pet owner that can manage as, as we've gone over, either maybe it's working full time or it's not able physically, mentally to deal with it, to manage it uh, because it's, it is difficult and um, and we've been putting that treatment plan in place at home the animal is got better or if it's chronic is 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 got a stable quick quicker mm-hmm. much cheaper and the vets are delighted because why as we've gone over over and over again why have it sitting in a kennel yeah. occupying a space and resources that we are very short in the staff at the vets, you know, yeah. right now especially. And it's cheaper if you can make an animal quicker, better for the insurance company. What is not to like, you know, <laughs> keeping an animal diabetic for seven years of his life till he dies uh you know at 150 pounds a month or nipping it in the bud within four months yeah it's 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 no brainer isn't it it's no brainer and emotionally for the animal that has to be injected twice a day Mm -hmm. for the poor owner you know um so yes i mean or operations that might not need to happen like removing eyes or having to give a general anesthetic to a dog that the owner bless him or her is struggling to put the eardrops twice a day in in that animal and even if the vets say oh just bring it in and a nurse will put the, 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 the the eardrops in the morning and in the evening it's a hassle for everybody, you know? Emergencies happen, you know? You, you have to deal with an emergency that's just come and you have four Mrs. Smith waiting outside with Toby to have the eardrop. And yeah. that lady will be waiting there an hour, bless her. You know, she has to go to work or life 
happens. Everybody, we have stuff to do. Much better to have a district nurse. Boom, boom, done. Ten minutes. Next call, call you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay. I go on. <laughs> uh, no, no, Debbie Sunday. It's fine. It's lovely hearing all of your stories and 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 yeah, and just emphasizing why people, you know, why we need this. So, um, so I guess you know, if you're able to crowdfund the money and you're able to support the the people, the 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 vet nurses who've already come forward mm. and said that they want to follow the same path as you have, is there anything else kind of anything else kind of in your way from from making this dream and making this dream a reality? I guess. Um, you know what? No, we just need the funding, really. Mm-hmm. Just need the funding. I'm I'm pitching it out there to yeah. various people. Um, to be honest, a lot of help seems to be coming from outside the veterinary industry, mm-hmm. which is lovely, which means members of the public are amazingly supportive of what we're trying to do. Um which is great and the support that is coming within the veterinary industry is the nurses and the vets putting themselves forward to be part of this mm-hmm. you know um so you know i just need a magic wand a monetary oh god don't we all <laughs> I, I wanted to say as well because you, you mentioned before that you're also a street vet volunteer and again um, i know if, if spoken with jade over the years and she's also in the mm. series as well um, and i know when street vet first started it was hard wasn't it you know it was it, she worked jade and the team worked really hard but then it, it, it took off and it was fantastic um, and there was a lot of similarities between what you do wanting to help those in need people who are vulnerable wanting to you know make sure that that animal human bond is there and it's 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 taken care of and animals and humans can stay together um, so I guess, it, you know, it, it's tough, isn't it? But it takes a lot of grit and determination um, to make, you know, to keep going and to try and make it happen. So what kind of support have you had? How, what keeps you going, Carla? What keeps me going? Oh, all these amazing veterinary nurses out there. Uh, all the lovely pet owners that I meet and they become forever friends. Uh, the vets, seeing that the vets are so relieved because they have now a solution in place. You know, we all go home and we keep thinking about our patients and we all wish there was more help out there. That keeps me going. I do it for all of them, you know. And when you walk away and you've just given that, medication and that then pet owner can just go for a lovely walk with their dog in the countryside or down the park if in the city or and and you just like amazing and just a little bit of their lives but without that maybe that couldn't happen and that just they're very tough days extremely tough days where I feel very frustrated because I feel I've been banging on about this for over five years. I've given so many presentations, invited by veterinary um, universities, invited by, by, um, you know, various uh, establishments, uh, you know, like the conferences, annual conferences and things like that. 
and speaking in front of hundreds of vets and veterinary nurses at a time publicly, giving them a presentation of the role. I'm five years on and it's still like, guys, you know, it's this still, needs yeah. to happen. I know, yeah. I know, I know how determined you are. I know we've spoken a lot over the last two years and I see everything that you do online and that you never stop, you keep going and it's just, it's just remarkable. <laughs> and I don't know how you get so much done because you, you seem to have a day that's about three times as long <laughs> as everybody else's. Um, but I wanted to ask you as well, I, gosh, you know, I would, I would love that somebody comes along and, and helps you and gives you the support that you need. Um, and you know, I'm probably being naive saying this, but what what would your message be to anyone listening, whether they're a pet professional or an owner or a pet brand or any, you know, anyone in the kind of whether they're owner or they're in the industry, how can they support you in what they do? What would your message be to them um, if they wanted to help you? My message would be just think what human care would be and human welfare would be if we didn't have human district nurses yeah how would any consultant or anybody discharging their human patients from a hospital or even just from a gp you know um consulting room where you know that you need to get a district nurse on board to help this person and this family to to have quality of life. And our, our pets don't have that. Mm-hmm. And our pets are dying every day throughout the country in consulting rooms because the owners cannot manage the treatment plans. And nobody says this, but it is the truth. Yeah. Okay. And this money is not for me. Mm-hmm. This money is because we need district nurses out there. So no member of the public is left helpless after giving a treatment plan for their animal, mm-hmm. going home. And it happens. Okay, um, so people can support you via your Just Giving page. And what I will do is um, in the show notes for this episode, I'll link to Carla's Just Giving page. Um, and also if people, if a vet, if vet nurses might be listening and they don't know about you already, uh, but they'd like to get in touch, what's the best way for them to do that, Carla? Well, um, there is an email address, mm-hmm. which um, is... Um, vet district nurse mm-hmm. at gmail.com okay i can share that as well I've and just, they so... can they can write there vet okay. district nurse at gmail.com okay and i can put links to your um facebook page and that kind of thing in there as well um okay and i want to finish on a positive because i know yes, there's a lot yes. of a lot of emotion um a lot of emotion when it comes to us and our animals and the re, you know the reasons why what you do is so remarkable yeah. um so what would you say is the most kind of fulfilling thing about being a district vet nurse and, and the work that you do what you know what what makes you happy what's what's the what's the thing that keeps you going i just have relief 
a vet can be from just sending a referral and me saying, yes, okay, don't worry, I'll do that. And for the honor, like I've had one this morning, it was it was just beautiful, both the vet and the pet owner thanking me for something I did a couple of weeks ago, um, which was quite remarkable with a dog uh, for a disabled person. Yeah. And it is just beautiful. And now the dog is okay. The vet is like, phew, that's fantastic. One less worry. And the pet owner is just happy as well. So, oh. I mean, you know, so simple. I've got these skills. So many veterinary nurses got these skills. Let's get them out there. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, well, Carla, that is a brilliant point to finish on. So thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I know how busy you are, so I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you for all you do for animals out there and for pet owners. And we love you. We love you. Oh, bless you. You always cheer me up. Oh, thank you. I'm embarrassed now, but thank you so much for coming on, Carla. Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.